You know, hope is a mistake. If you can't fix what's broken, you'll, um... You'll go insane. Welcome to the Mad Max Minute. Hope may be a mistake, but not Mad Max Fury Road, one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 86, which begins with Max telling Furiosa that he'll be staying behind. And it ends with Max seeing a ghostly apparition. Joining us once again to help us discuss a character defined by his anger and frequently bothered by spirits, it's Sean German from Scrooged by the Ghost and Dave Palace from Five Minutes of Mystery. I'm gonna go my own way. It's like my only, okay. only good yeah. impression. I'm sorry. Right. Fine. <laughs> go your own way. I mean, I could just I could just do Bane, but like, what what does that mean anymore? <laughs> I am so disappointed in Tom Hardy that during those first 30 to 40 minutes where he was trapped in that mask that he never once went something like, oh, you merely adopted the wasteland. I was born in it, molded by it. Even though he wasn't born in the wasteland, he was already a man when it happened. <laughs> but he was molded by it. Yes. I was going to say, has Tom Hardy ever done any interview by post uh like, because he still works with Christopher Nolan, so he clearly likes the work, so he wouldn't want to say anything about about his portrayal of Bane. I don't think I've ever heard him discuss it. Yeah, he's probably like, "Look, is a paycheck clearing for uh, for uh, what's that? What was that movie? The the, the war movie? Yeah, the Dunkirk. 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 Is Dunkirk two paycheck in the mail? Okay, cool. <laughs> Dunkirk two. It's a great time. I had a great time. The Dunkirkening. All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So here at the top of the minute, Max is talking about how he's just going to go the Fleetwood Mac route and go his Thank own way. You. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's why I married you. Did I steal that joke from you? I just want no. to make sure. Okay. I was just singing it in my head, yeah. and then I realized you were saying it out loud. <laughs> now, is it just me, or does Furiosa look a little disappointed that Max has decided not to come with I think she does, but she's also not. She's gotten to know him over the last two days, so I don't think this was a particular surprise. I think she was hopeful, but not actually expecting it to happen. So she wasn't being all Rebecca Black, hey, I just met you and this is crazy, but here's a fully loaded motorcycle, come across <laughs> oh, the salt, maybe. That's, that's, I don't, that's I don't not think Rebecca that was Black. Rebecca that's Black. That's Carly Rae Jepsen. Oh, it. okay. I, and that's I not know. why I married you. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize for not having a good knowledge of teenage pop stars with... However many hits to their name. I don't Isn't know. Isn't Rebecca Black? Wasn't she the the Friday? Friday. Yes. Friday. You gotta yes. get down Friday. Gotta get down. I mean, come on, Friday. <laughs> come on. It's not Friday yet. Nope. Yeah. It's only Wednesday. I think it's a yeah, I think it's a combination of things. I think it's one a little yeah, no surprise, but a little disappointment. It's like, okay, I've got the the young, strong women I have don't know anything. They're useless. The women I have that actually know stuff and are useful don't have the body to carry out what, you know, 
to fully take advantage of that experience. So I could certainly use someone who's smart and capable like yourself. And also she's seen the transformation that Max has gone through between when they met him and now. And she knows, okay, you know, hey, if you want to be the crazy loner in the wasteland that we pick, you know, when we met you, you know, like, yeah, whatever, go crazy, knock yourself out. Like she knows this is, um, it's not just self-interest on her part. She knows it's better for Max to be around people as well. I like that idea that Furiosa has noticed that when he first joined them, he was (laughs) a raging feral. Who had to keep his muzzle on. And over the course of the day and the night and the day that they spent together, she's like, oh, hey, he's getting re-socialized. This is really healthy. He's actually taking time to use his words. If he goes back to being alone, he'll regress. And so for his sake, if he stays around other people, he'll use his words and he'll develop better language skills and return to being a person again. Yeah. I mean, the the movie makes the point that this is the max. Like, it's a different actor – but it's the same character. You know, this is this is the Max that we started with way back when. But if, you know, if the movie didn't make it so clear, you could f- forgive people for maybe thinking that this is the feral child who has just taken on Max's name or just taken on the mantle of that, you know, the position that Max has now become like, you know, like Iron Man. Anyone can put the suit on and all of a sudden you're Iron Man, even if you're not Tony Stark. Because there's, there, yeah, there's a good bit of interaction before he starts speaking. He's like not even lingual at the point where they, when they meet him. He's like grunts and points and, you know, here's this chain and hopefully you'll figure out why I'm holding it up and get the bolt cutter. Yeah. So I think it's a, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I could use you. You obviously could use us, but I'm not going to. Yeah, there's a there's enough fighting that needs to be done in this world. I'm not going to fight you, you stubborn jackass. Well, I will make one thing clear. I will never forgive someone for thinking that Max in this movie is the feral child borrowing the name, because (laughs) that is a thing that I will fight people on. It is not the case. Okay, okay. Okay, Rick, I agree with you that it is a fact that this is not the feral child taking on the mantle of Max. It just isn't that way. But I really, really like what Sean was saying, that it's like we continued on the journey with the feral child, mm. where he grew up, and yeah, he was feral for a little while, but... As he was re-socialized into a society, this group of people who need him and communicate with him and they depend on each other, he becomes more non-feral, To more the point socialized. where he can actually tell the story at the end of the movie. Yeah, so I like seeing that journey continued on in another person. Yeah. Because when Road Warrior ended, it left us with so much that we just didn't know. And we were given this outro that was like, yeah, we went on to create a tribe and I was the leader. And hey, by the way, I'm the feral child. And there was just so much that we could have seen and we didn't get to. So I definitely see Max in this movie as a bit of a window into what the feral child's growing up might have been like. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, like I said, catch up on the podcast. It's going to take me a few weeks. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, how? just going by the movie, how Road Warrior ended, it sounded like the caravan did a pretty good job. Like, he 
talked with a really positive attitude. So it made it felt like, like oh, yeah, the, the gyro pilot and myself, like, uh, yeah, we lead the tribe now. It's pretty good. Like, he, didn't, he didn't make it sound like, and we still live our days day to day living off of the waste. Like, he didn't sound like that. He sounded like really like happy. So it made it's like, oh, shoot, maybe they actually like found a good paradise to work off of. And then Savannah and her group, they looked they were like pretty settled in. They like you had more pregnancies there. Yeah. So you're like, oh, like I guess they, they were able to make the most of the what the waste of the city. So it's kind of like it's almost it's sad in a way where it's like it sounds like both those two groups, they got to surviving and they got to living well. And then yeah, you cut back to Max and he just kind of goes like like uh, like a stock almost. He goes up and down where he's just like he's good and he's helping mm-hmm. out people and he goes back to being, you know, in his own way and he's like, Oh god, he doesn't talk and he's just very feral. Um, yeah. so that there are all there are alternatives to the wasteland if you can handle them, if you can you know, if you can kind of adjust to to it not being anarchy and not being where you need to constantly kill people, you know, kill or be killed all the time and mm-hmm. kind of turn the adrenaline off. And though we see, um, if I can jump ahead to the second half of this minute, we kind of see how broken Max is and like how far gone that like at first I thought when it when it flashes to white and then it's daytime. At first, I thought like he was like, this is a dream sequence or he's he's hallucinating because it turns. So it just there's a flash that turns from nighttime to daytime. I thought, oh, maybe it's still night and he's just. You know, this is all in his head. And you see, well, yes, there are things in his head. But then later we see and it's actually day and it's like, but it's like the next day, Mm -hmm. like he has not been alone for weeks in terms of when did Furiosa and the the other women leave like they left hours ago. And all of a sudden now he's he's back to loner Max, who's seeing things and hearing things and everything like it didn't take him long to revert. And maybe Furiosa senses that like, yes, he's he's now speaking in complete sentences and kind of communicating as a human being. But maybe she senses it's like, you know, five minutes after we drive away, he's stomping geckos and eating sand again. Like, <laughs> you know, she's sensing like he's the line between sane and unsane, like he's on the right side, but he's still got he's got like a toe ready to jump over. I, I didn't notice it until I guess second forty nine here. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I keep talking about his ge- the gear that he has because obviously Max has never worn this amount of gear in any of the previous films, like on him. So to want to see him have this much like a uh, utility belt of things, looks like he's got two mags of I would guess is maybe seven point sixty two rounds. They look pretty big. Yeah, like maybe they're AK yeah. mag rounds. Um, I don't think any of the guns we had earlier were maybe that ammunition. I was kind of curious. I was like, like you know, did he put any of his own ammunition into when they were doing the firing earlier? Or he was like, no, this isn't my ammo. No, that's left over from when he destroyed the Peacemaker. When he blew up the bullet farmer who came from the bullet farm, okay. he took all of the guns and all of the ammo and they stashed it all in the rig. And some of those clips he stashed into his vest. Okay. The thing that he didn't get for some reason, are the guns that those clips go to. Yeah. Um, Okay. He doesn't have anywhere to put those magazines in order to use them for the rest of this movie. And we don't get to see him blow up the Peacemaker. Otherwise, we might actually get an explanation as to why he doesn't come back with a couple of Kalashnikov rifles and some MP5s and long barrel revolvers or anything like that. Because if it was sold off, he has just a sidearm right now and a leg holster. That's all he has. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and his uh, firearm duty. And yeah, uh, yeah, when he's standing there and he hears that whisper, he immediately just goes to his gun and just twists ready to pull that. Yeah, like he's going to shoot a ghost. Yeah. You can't shoot ghosts. <laughs> Waste the ammo. Yeah. Everybody knows that when you're dealing with ghosts, you yell, piss off ghost, run over and then kick the wall. <laughs> piss off ghost. <laughs> so, wow. Is that a reference? That's to th- what? That's Taika Waititi in Thor Ragnarok. Piss off ghost. And then he kicks the. Oh, OK. Because <laughs> uh, Loki kept appearing and screwing with Thor. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of people getting screwed with Max turns as Furiosa is walking away and he says, you know, hope is a mistake. If you can't fix what's broken, you'll go insane. And so I'm wondering what everybody thinks Max means by this line. Is he more concerned with hope as a concept or does he see hope as a distraction from self-reflection that would help Mm. you work past trauma? I think he's being very literal. If they're so busy hoping for something better... It means they're not focused on fixing what they have, which is pretty much what he says in Friday's minute is don't hope for a better place. Fix the Citadel. Mm -hmm. And I also think he's speaking on several levels, but yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. When I wonder, is this a uh, an allusion to the hope and glory storyline from Mm -hmm. the comics, which are referenced very heavily, but also not really referenced at all in this movie. I think most people would miss that having, you know, know, I'm guessing most people saw the movie didn't know, don't know about that storyline. But if you know it. Yeah. uh, If he had come out with, oh, helping hope was a mistake, then people would have been like, what does that even mean? Yeah. If he had not helped hope to get glory from the sunken city, he would have two less ghosts bothering him. (laughs) Although really glory is the vocal one. Oh, is this comic stuff, Sean? You got reading some comics and not telling me? What's going on? <laughs> I've been holding out. No, no, I haven't. I've just been listening to this very good podcast called Mad Max Minute, where they talk <laughs> about Mad Max and Mad Max comics and Mad Max games and all these other things that uh, that I haven't done myself, but I listen to people who have and they talk about it. All right. Well, I cl- I'm, I'm yeah. going to get caught up. Dave's a few seasons it's take me a few. I, got, I listened to Rick and Julia tell me about you know leather chaps and 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 and, and saxophone singing and stuff i listen to that one <laughs> i play total war i just like total war and i'm just like moving around i'm killing orcs yeah. and i'm just like letting rick and julia tell me what's what yeah so i think it's a little bit of saying yeah you know if just yeah hope hope can drive you crazy the, the thought that there's always something better that thing that's just out of reach but you never quite grasp it that that chase, that always being on the hunt can drive you crazy. And maybe you're better off just accepting what you have and, and what's in front of you. But he says it a very strange way. Like the first part of that, you know, hope is a mistake. Okay. that That's kind of straightforward. And he says, if you can't fix what's broken, you'll go insane. And we know, at least for Max, what's broken is is inside. I mean, he, you know, his vehicle may be broken, his leg may be broken, all these other things may be broken, but what really is driving Max insane are the things inside of him that's broken. And has Furiosa given any indication that, you know, that she's similarly broken on the inside? Is that what he's talking about? Okay, so yeah, the first part you said, yeah, like, it's almost like the great, the uh, great is the enemy of good. You right. Know? Although I just, I, I sorry to interrupt Dave, but we happen to know he's wrong. We happen to know at the end, you know, at the end of Road Warrior, they make it. 
I mean, it's not as pretty as it was on the postcard, but they get somewhere. Yeah. And we know at the end of Thunderdome, again, it's not as pretty as it was in the Viewmaster Viewer. I mean, they don't find Mrs. Walker and everything at the end of the rainbow, but they do find something better than Thunderdome. But Max doesn't know. But he doesn't know. Like, you know what? If you actually had hope and you went off, you'd be better off than you are today. Yeah. I feel like the statement hope is a mistake is a bit more extreme than when I talk about, oh, low expectations mean no disappointment. Like, Mm -hmm. that's something I throw around because I'm going to see a movie. It's not like I am not expecting to find food and water over this next rise. And so I won't be disappointed when there's no food and water over this next rise. It's a bit more fatalistic when Max says it, or at least it feels more fatalistic when Max says it. I think what Max is trying to say here is hope for the best, expect the worst. The way he turns around so that he can't see Furiosa anymore when he says it'll drive you crazy, you'll go mad. That's what these four movies have all been about. They've been about Mm -hmm. this Max that was driven mad by tragedy in the very first movie mm. and how he goes on living his life as someone broken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think he's expressing that, please listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I have gone insane right. from hope, from trying to change things I can't change and yeah, and losing everybody that I care about. I don't remember please if don't we... do that too. I don't remember if we mentioned this back in Road Warrior or Thunderdome, but how different this story would have been if Max had a therapist. <laughs> like, <laughs> if he goodness. had been able to sit down with someone and, like, emotionally work through the loss of his wife and child mm-hmm. and emotionally work through what he did to Johnny the boy and just take some time to, like, settle things with himself. Yeah, I think we talked about that at the beginning of Road Warrior. That sounds right. Yeah. 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 But how many... You know, how many emotionally healthy people make good movies? You know, if you know, if if Anakin and Padme had just seen a relationship counselor, then, <laughs> you know, then things would have worked out much differently, you know. But then, yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I just, think that's very, yeah. very true. Yeah. Stable people don't make compelling film subjects. So I guess Max's loss is our gain. <laughs> So we have an interesting transition. A lot of the times in this movie, we have faded to black and then Mm -hmm. faded in on the next scene. But in this instance, we fade up to white and then fade back in on this. The morning of the third day, 24 hours remain until the moon crushes Terminatown. Nice reference. Nice reference. Well, you said morning of the third day. It's another Christian reference. Three days and then the resurrection. Oh, it is. And it is the third day. It's the third day. Since we've seen two, there was the night in... In the bog. Where is it? When they get stuck in the mud and everything, yeah, in the bog is the first night. And, and then, then the night on the dunes is the second night. And the night, night on the dunes, this is the second night. So this is the third day since they set out from the Citadel. Are we going to see a resurrection today? Yeah, I think we are. Does the rest of the movie take place the same day? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so they make it back to the Citadel today, on the third day, and they free it from... The grips of death in a way like they return water, which water is life. They return water to the people. Hmm. Okay. Do you have a count? So Furiosa and the wives and the Volvolini, are there 12 to match up with the disciples? No, there's seven of each. So there's 14. 
And not all of them get back to the Citadel. No, not unfortunately. Do two of them not get back? Do they end up with 12? I don't know off the top of my head because... Because we haven't, we haven't gotten, gotten that far. That far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but something to keep an eye on. That's Absolutely. I think it's been a little while since we've talked about religious iconography, and especially Christian iconography. Numerology and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I think this third day is definitely symbolic. Okay. But yeah, so this, this transition is white, meaning, you know, meaning life, where the, usually the, the cuts were black, meaning death. And, uh, and yeah, something I, I actually, it took me... A rewatch before I noticed the the dust in the distance as Max looks out over the dunes is the women driving away. This isn't this isn't the, the chase coming towards him. These are bikes that are driving away. Now, have you, Rick and Julie, have you guys been able to from sunsetting or sunrise? Can you pin any directions? I know last time we talked a little bit about how far could they go on you know if they you know drove for 160 days and stuff. You know where they end up is going to depend on which direction they're heading. Mm. Have you? Did you just assume? Well, if the salts are the dried ocean, then they're heading away from shore. Or, you know, yeah. Have you been able to determine any sort of northwest, you know, southeast stuff from uh, sun or anything? Well, if this is first thing in the morning, which the sun seems a little bit high in the sky, mm-hmm. but it still seems pretty early. Right. Sun rises in the east and sets in the west. And so if the sun is rising in the east, it's still fairly early in the morning. The shadow that's coming off of Max is pushing. Right. Not quite behind him, but a little off to his right, which means that he is facing east, southeast. So they're headed like southeast. Towards Antarctica. Well, or so, Tasmania. So are they... Where are they? Are they in Brisbane here? Do we know? Oh, where they we have are? no earthly or, idea where they are. And I, mean, I make an in, argument about the sun. George Miller doesn't usually care about where the sun is. That's very yeah. true. He goes for what looks cool. Right. Just going. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll. And so the shadows may move around as they film, but going by the shadow at 40 seconds in. Yeah. So they're heading kind of southeast. So if they're, you know, if they're Sydney, Newcastle, anywhere along kind of the southeast coast of Australia, they may be heading towards New Zealand. Mm. Um, I mean, I think they're going to miss the Marianas Trench, but oh, they'll hit. definitely miss the trench. Um, but yeah, they'll they'll hit New Zealand in you know not too oh. not too long. Dreams of fuzzy woolly sweaters and hobbits, hobbitses, <laughs> sheep's and hobbits. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a shame because I think they would be benefited from heading north. Because if they head north towards Papua New Guinea, Indonesia, the Philippines, mm-hmm. they may start to hear rumors about the uh, Mariana Trench that, hey, right. there's still ocean. Or civilization. Yeah, but no, it's only about 1,200 miles to New Zealand, 1,350 to Christchurch. So I'm not that's... sure that going to New Zealand would change anything. If the ocean is gone, the ocean is gone. Yes. Yeah, you go true. to the deepest point and you can actually, actually go fishing. And actually, if I remember correctly, New Zealand sits on another continent. There's a shelf around New Zealand that is big enough to be like another continent. Oh. So the water's definitely gone. Yeah, so it's relatively high up versus the deeper parts of the ocean. Yes. Yeah, and I see what you're looking at. I see what you're talking about. Yeah, all right. Well, they're, you know what? Maybe they're not going the best direction. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe someone should go tell them where they should go. 
Yeah. Th- I think the problem is, is... Is that person's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and well, Max does have a compass. So he knows which direction they're going. But does he have any idea what is that direction? Who knows? No, he has yeah. no idea. Who knows? Yeah, I doubt took Max back in the day, took that many vacations. And even when he did go on vacation, he went to like a farmhouse. Yeah. It's not like he flew anywhere. Yeah. I flew, I went to one vacation to a farmhouse and I kept running into bikers. It was, it was a bad day. It was a bad day. <laughs> um, all right. So we get, we get some visions, some hallucinations, mm-hmm. visual and auditory that Max is getting here. Max is standing there in a reflection of how he started off this movie. Yeah. Standing on the edge of a precipice, staring out at the wasteland. And instead of hearing the skittering of a lizard or the approaching engines of a war party, he instead hears these whispers that are coming from the ghostly voice of Glory the Child, where she's saying, where are you, Max? Where are you? And then you hear this weeping little mommy and then help us. And you promise to help us. And. We get that moment where Max spins around with his hand on his sidearm as if he's going to just go full Bill Murray on these apparitions, but there is <laughs> nothing there, and it's very creepy. The first apparition, auditory or otherwise, that we've seen in quite a while. Mm-hmm. All right, so yeah, exp- explain him, explain him, explain to me the glory, explain to me uh, wh- wh- what this is referenced to, since... I didn't recognize any of this girl from the previous films, like whoever that was supposed to represent. Yeah. And I'll admit watching this, I think what I get out of this is just, yeah, Max is, is nuts. I don't get, I don't, yeah, I I couldn't put too much specifics to it, but Rick and Julia, you can fill us in. Just as a bit of a refresher in the comic book, Max is hired by Hope to rescue her daughter Glory from the buzzards that are inhabiting underneath Sydney. And Max gets Glory out of the sunken city, gets her back to Hope, and basically Hope is like, hey, thanks for rescuing my daughter. Um, We're going to go. Do you want to come with? And Max is like, no, I'm going to leave. You can go your own way. And as he's driving away... He's looking in the rearview mirror and he's like, oh, don't look back. Don't be soft. Don't look back. And he looks back and he notices something that causes him to turn around and start driving after them. And Hope and Glory are on this motorcycle and they're like, oh, look, he's coming back. We're going to hang out. And it's no, that's not the case. And the buzzards emerge from the desert and run down Hope and Glory and kill both of them. And Max is like, ah, I'm going to kill the buzzards and whatnot. And he ends up burying Hope and Glory outside the sunken city and so every time glory shows up in this movie it's because she is the latest ghost to be weighing heavily on his mind because he saved her Mm -hmm. he did the thing that he agreed to do he got her to safety and despite all of his effort and all of the danger that he went through they still died Mm. as a reminder that no matter how much good you do in the wasteland it can always be undone in an instant Damn. And it's weighing very heavily on his psyche. And and so, all right. So is this the? Uh, wait, I gotta find the freaking frame because I know you're gonna talk about it. Frame. It's like right at second fifty-one. We get a, a goddamn premonition. Mm-hmm. I mean, now this is getting like. I mean, we've had mutations. We've had <laughs> a little bit of wasteland magic at times. Uh, but here we go. We get a we get we get a weird vision here, Brick. What does this mean? Yep. So in a flash, Glory is standing before Max, and she throws her hand up at him. And for let's see, 
three frames because this is a 24 frame per second cut that I've been working with. But for three frames, we see a flash of a raider wearing an arm crossbow staring out through the eye holes of a black helmet mask thing. And this, as Dave mentioned, is a direct premonition of something that is literally going to happen for real later on in this movie. We have never had this happen before, where Glory is showing up and giving Max a sort of vision of the future. Mm -hmm. And in response to her throwing her hand up at him and this flash view of this raider, Max's hand flies to his forehead as if she is directly influencing him in some way. And right around 52 seconds with all of these visions done, Max pulls his hand from his forehead as if to say, (laughs) what the heck was that? And he's looking around like, there's no one here. Why did I just do that? It happens so quick and so sudden and so out of the blue that it's hard to say exactly what that was. You can hear it. You can hear it. You can hear it. It's like a metallic, like almost as if like you, you snipped a scissor. There's a metallic noise uh, that he reacts to, too. Mm-hmm. Hear it. It's weird. I call it a phenomenon because I don't know how else to explain it. Yeah. Is she a red witch? The uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is kind of hard to reconcile with the rest of the series that has never had anything even remotely supernatural happen. So I don't really know where this fits in. Perhaps this is just the latest evolution in Max's fairy princess powers. That would make sense. It would make the most sense of any. He has the ability to survive crazy stunts. And then in between movies, he has the ability to change his face. And now he is developing this ability to commune with the dead in order to get these visions of the future, even though he doesn't quite know how to decipher them yet. (laughs) It's new. He's still feeling his way around. He's He's becoming the three-eyed raven. Exactly. He's so <laughs> mad that he's popping open new uh new new parts of the brain, you know, like yeah, that classic yeah. that classic phrase where it's like he's using parts of the brain he's never used before and he's popping into the premonitions section. Well, what's the old saying they do uh, a broken clock is right twice a day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's just so crazy and it just happens to be one of those correct instances where the craziness works in his favor. That's true. You're right. He might have had a hundred other visions before this film started that we never saw that, you know, might have been premonitions, might have been just, you know, nonsense or alternate versions that he, you know, didn't react to. But um, maybe, maybe that's what I'm thinking. Maybe I'm trying to think out how he needs to He Like he looks at them now. He looks out like the last few seconds. He's looking out at them in this, I have to tell them something kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I got I to gotta get them. And either his, either his mind's telling him this is going to happen to them on their way out there, or I'm getting the premonition that we need mm-hmm. to go back, fight these raiders head on, and that will be a better, that will be the better way to go. Yeah, his mind is telling him no, but the ghosts, the ghosts <laughs> are telling him yes. Yeah! <laughs> I think... <laughs> I think it's a little more psychological than that. I think this reminder of Glory and her story, he decides that it's better for him to do absolutely everything he can for them and never turn his back. So he already, I think, last night had the idea of, hey, it would be better if we went back to the Citadel and liberated it rather than trying to move on. He already had that idea in his head. He just didn't care to 
pose that to Furiosa in a forceful manner. Mm. And then today, seeing Glory again reminds him, no, 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 I should do that. Mm, That is the right thing to Mm. do, is to do everything I can and never turn my back on them. Literally. Yeah, I had some questions about that, and I think I'll save it for for Friday because... Yeah, some of the things you said, Julia, kind of lead into the stuff that's going to happen next minute. Yeah. That it's – there's some things that obviously Max has thought about before, but he hasn't said anything, at least not to Furiosa yet. But then he does and it's like, well, okay, so when did when did you make this decision? Yeah. So, I think now that we're getting into Friday's minute a bit, I think we should put a pin in our discussion. We're going to stop things for now, but we will be back on Friday when Max will hear a voice calling out to him from the desert. Furiosa is going to be surprised by Max's sudden reappearance, and he is going to lay out a different sort of plan. The Mad Max Minute podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for MadMaxMinute, and join our Facebook listener group, MadMaxMinute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, where you can see what's in our Tee Public store, join our Patreon, or even donate to the show to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 86 of Fury Road. We'll see you next time. <laughs>